So we have an intro song. At least we're going to play around with that one for a little bit. Welcome everyone to the Overtime Podcast. I am your host, Jillian Davis, and today I sit down with Melissa Andrada, COO of Learnably, an online learning platform. I was really keen to get Melissa on the podcast before the end of this year because I felt like it was probably relevant for a lot of you managers who not only will have a lot of employees um, looking to spend their learning budget this year, but also for yourself, you might start thinking about the year that's just passed and looking forward into 2018 and wondering, you know, what did you learn this year? What could you have done differently? And how would you like to grow in the next coming 6, 12, 18 months? Uh, learning can be a really challenging thing when you're doing it on your own. We've got so much content available to us nowadays, both in the online form and in the offline form. And so I love having Melissa's perspective to come in uh, to play, to have you think about, you know, how exactly do you want to learn so you don't just jump down a path that you really haven't put a lot of energy at the beginning to think about, is it relevant? Um, And hopefully you can then apply this approach into your teams as well. Uh, Melissa offers us an amazing learning playlist, and I just love that term. And I'll make sure I link out to everything in this week's newsletter. Also encouraging us to talk about learning in the Overtime Community Slack channel. If you haven't signed up to that, do so at OvertimeLeader.com. So hope you enjoy today's episode, and most importantly, hope you learn something from it. So hi, everyone. I'm here with Melissa Andrada from Learnably. Hi, Melissa. Welcome to Overtime. Hi, Jillian. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. No problem. So, Melissa, you we met while you started at Learnably. I was at S2. Um, why don't you talk a little bit about you know how you got into this role and uh, where you're going with it? Amazing. So I've had a bit of a non-traditional career path. I actually started off as an English teacher at a really weird school in Korea where you had to dress like a doctor <laughs> and the classes were actually set up like clinics. So I was super fascinated by this and the commodification of English education. So that became the subject of my master's dissertation at the University of Edinburgh. And then whilst I was there, I really became interested in the theory and practice of um, branding as the subject I was looking at was the branding of English education. So I thought, why don't I do this for a living? So I moved from Edinburgh to New York, um, was working at a digital strategy agency, and then moved to Wolf Olin's where I was doing brand strategy and helping leaders think about their vision in the world, but always had this itch to do education, so pretty much got on every single education project and client at Wolf Wallens, (laughs) um, including FutureLearn and setting up their first massive open online course, which was then the inspiration for setting up the corporate learning program Mm -hmm. at Wolf Wallens. And whilst I was at Wolf Wallens, was auditing a lot of learning platforms and saw there maybe is a better way to do this, which is what led me to Learnerly. So if you're thinking about going into people operations or learning and development, um, as you can see in my background, you don't necessarily have to follow a straight and narrow path. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And I always love the nonlinear path to 
because I think they're the most interesting um, and they can add a lot of value because you bring a different perspective into a different uh, sector or industry or role. Um, and I think uh, L&D and a lot of HR is kind of getting a transformation, so to speak, and bringing in people from uh, different departments to shed a different light on how to approach things. And L&D is definitely one of those things that needs to be looked at differently. Um, anyone that's been through a traditional um, online learning platform in a large corporate will, I'm sure, agree that it is not the most engaging mm. um, always or uh, adaptable. And we'll talk uh, a lot of today about how to get your teams uh, to, to learn, essentially, um, and yourself. I think everything that, that we'll talk about will also apply to you as an individual as well. Um, so why don't you talk a little bit about uh, Learnably, like what, what does it do, and, and, and we can go from there. Absolutely. So Learnably, it's a platform that curates learning opportunities for business. So say you want to be a better public speaker, a better negotiator, better product manager, we curate opportunities for you. So it could be a class, it could be a coach, a podcast like this one or an article. Actually, we interviewed Jillian and got her learning playlists, which you should all check out. Um, and working with really amazing companies like the Product Innovation Consultancy, IDEO, mm -hmm. CarWow, fast-growing um, tech company in the UK, and really essentially working with clients who might not have an L&D function and want to invest in their people to really drive business growth. Mm -hmm. Fascinating stuff. And I think that it it is so needed because one, a lot of companies and kind of, well, one, there's a lot of content out mm -hmm. there, whether it's uh, programs at GA, podcasts, articles, and I think it's a really great way, way of kind of curating around the key topics that pretty much every business faces, like leadership, um, transformation, change, uh, innovation, exactly everything. Yeah, the mission is to be, uh, if you will, a, a Michelin guide for learning, so mm. you don't have to waste time looking for classes or knowing if am I going to get the return on investment if I spend a thousand pounds on this coach. Yeah, is we really want to surface the best and most amazing content. And so, as I said before, we interview people like Jillian, but also we've interviewed Eric Schmidt, Martha Lane Fox to mm. collect those insights so you might be able to follow in their footsteps <laughs> uh, no I think it's great I can vouch for that and and I think that the insight pieces are super neat because you don't those often don't come off in traditional interviews when mm. you're how, how does one learn um, that's really cool so let's talk about learning and as a manager you know you let's say your team has a development budget per person how do you one ensure that it get, gets used, and two, that it gets used but also is in line with the business goals. Because I know from working in HR teams, very often those budgets are not used. I don't know if you've seen that. No, that's, in, that's across the board. That's part of the problem we're solving is budgets are underspent, and it's good for the budget to be underspent to some extent, but to really see that learning is an investment in your people. It's a retention tool. It's an engagement tool. There's a stat that something like 80% of workers would stay in their jobs so long as there's opportunities to develop. Mm -hmm. And also knowing as well leadership training and manager training is so important because that's the main reason people leave a job is a bad 
mm-hmm. manager. And so we're mm-hmm. trying to fill in some of those gaps. Um, I think from a manager perspective, it's really important to lead by example, to show that you're constantly learning, mm-hmm. whether it's sharing an article that you read in HBR or sharing the fact that I, for example, have a leadership coach and I openly talk about some of my confidence in public speaking areas. And I think to really get to that deep transformation, you have to be vulnerable about your biggest areas of development. So the first area would be um, to lead by example. I think second, with the budget being underspent, is to be really clear that it's okay to spend that budget and to continuously remind people, whether it's in their one-to-one or in um, a company meeting. Um, Part of what we do with Learnably is make that budget visible. Mm. Um, But to the point around how do I ensure it connects to the business strategy, I think that's where um, personal development plans and goal setting are really important so that what people are learning, consuming is really tied to how the business, but also the individual needs and Mm. wants to grow. What we've seen as best practice um, is a combination of biannual performance reviews and personal development plan setting combined with more real-time feedback. Right. Some people say ban the performance review or the kind of biannual um, initiatives, but I think they're important because it's good to take a bird's-eye view of what's mm-hmm. happening from both the business and individual perspective, and that sometimes can get lost in more real-time one-to-ones and conversations. Um, so that's some of the important kind of nuts and bolts, but I also would say alongside budget is making sure that people can have time off. Yes. So with some of our clients' um, voucher codes, for example, they give you two hours a week or a day a month to learn. Mm-hmm. And in a way, it's like Google's 20% time, but explicitly for learning and development. That's awesome. I think that's very much overlooked, and it's why this is called overtime. <laughs> um, because I feel like for a lot of managers, you don't have time in the nine to five to do any kind of reading. Exactly. And some people feel guilty that, like, oh, I shouldn't be reading on in the nine to five. That's mm-hmm. for evening and weekends, and that's where all the development and learning happens in overtime, not in the nine to five. But you have to if you don't create that space, then people won't use it. Exactly, and I think as well. We usually focus too much on the consumption of learning, but there are so many different stages. There's consumption or acquisition, if you will, reflection, and then application. And I think the third is where more work could be done from the manager to be like, okay, if you read this book or this class, whether it be the the lean startup or first-time leader, how are you actually going to apply this learning Mm. to your project? Mm -hmm. Some of you might be familiar with this model called the 70-20-10 model. So 70% supposedly of learning happens on the job, 20% through peers, and then 10% through formal learning. So that's something important to keep in Mm -hmm. mind as a manager is that with the projects you're putting people on or the tasks is that they're stretch assignments and that there is reflection incorporated into them and that any formal learning supports what's happening Mm -hmm. on the job. Totally. I think that reflection piece is super important and something I constantly reinforce when we're doing anything anything around L&D or anything around change and transformation is taking those moments to just sit back and look back and go, well, what did we learn? What would, what would mm-hmm. we do differently? Um, you know, what misconceptions did we have when we set out? But 
if you just read a book, it, it goes in. But if you spend that time to think about how it applies to you, that's when I think you hit that 10% um, exactly. sweet spot. Something we do that I found to be quite effective um, at Learnably is we have retrospectives. Mm-hmm. So we alternate between our kind of more goal-focused company retrospective where we look back at the OKRs that we set during our two-week sprint. Um, but then the other week, we do more what we call learnably in focus, where we focus on a business challenge. So next week is on scaling content, hmm. and then we go deep into that challenge, or we have someone teach something, like elevator pitches. Um, and it's kind of our equivalent of lunch and learns. Why we currently don't do lunch and learns is this fits more seamlessly into our company rhythms. Yeah. And so I think when you're designing a learning experience for your team is thinking about what other projects or meetings you can piggyback off of. Right. So you don't want it to, one, add to the noise. But exactly. Kind of weave it in seamlessly. Could you talk more about that? That's really interesting. So you guys work on, in a sprint-based yes. system. The whole company. The whole company. So as inspired by Agile and Product, um, which operates traditionally on two-week sprints mm-hmm. where you do your planning on the Monday, and then in two weeks, um, on the Friday, you look at what you learned, what you achieved, how you can make it better for next time. And mm-hmm. learning is to the point around reflection is about constantly reflecting, how can I make this better? What would I do differently? Um, and so we thought that would be a useful framework for the entire company to be on, even though some teams operate slightly differently, but to have the goal setting happen at the same time and then the reflection and accountability. That's neat. And do you guys do the goal setting kind of all together or by team? So we do it separately by team, but then we collectively um, communicate what we're trying to achieve. And I think high-performing teams has been a hot-button issue for us, but also our clients. And I find kind of that whole science of how do you get people to be ambitious. So someone might articulate, I'm going to like do like 10 sales demos, and another person would be like, I don't think that's ambitious enough, or we can do better. Um, So having that uh, collective spirit of let's try to push ourselves, and not to the point of being burnt out, but sort of like an Olympic team, like, I want to be as amazing as I can be. Yeah, and I guess having this sense of kind of camaraderie around the whole business must be really encouraging as well. I think so, and to have, like, to not operate in silos, I mean, we're a very small team, it's only 14, 15 of us, Um, but as you get bigger, I think it's still important to have those rhythms and it's certainly a model of you could scale Mm -hmm. um you just have to think about kind of the nuances for your company and its specific context yeah and as i I always find um google sheets or systems work to a certain point exactly (laughs) like there's got to be a software platform that does this um oh that's really neat well thank you for sharing that insight i think that that's a great way to look at you know structuring companies and teams around common goals essentially and then I guess individually you link to your part that you're going to play in that two-week sprint exactly so thinking about it from an individual level team level and company level and we consistently reinforce where we're trying to go from um, a long-term vision perspective that we're about helping people be their best at work but then we also have these very ambitious commercial targets to get to our next round of funding, which would be Series A. Mm. Um, and I think it's really important to have that 
everyday perspective, but also the big picture, especially when you're in a startup and it's so easy to get into the weeds. Yeah. Um, being able to communicate that and reinforce it constantly. And so I, I know that one of the keys to a great like individual learning and development strategy is linking that to you know, what the business mm. wants. And often that might not be clear. Uh, so this is a really great system where it is very clear on what the company targets are. But how do you find that balance between an individual wanting to grow and the business growing? So as I've shared with Jillian before, I love this notion of the overlap which is essentially um, looking at the intersection between what you stand for as an individual and what the company stands for. Mm. And essentially um, thinking about my, using myself as my own example. So one thing um, Learnably needs me to develop in is in the area of public speaking, which is also an important area for me. It's, it's an important life skill. Um, and fortunately, there's overlap in terms of what the business wants me to learn and what I want to learn. But there are other things such as like IT strategy where I need to think about mm. what computers to buy or rent for the company. Not something I'm excited about, but <laughs> it's something I need to think about. Yeah. And so as much as possible, you want to find those intersections. And I think as a manager, like when you're having your one-to-ones or your mentoring sessions with your team is really digging deep as to what people want to achieve long term yeah yeah like if money were not an object how would you want to spend your time like there was another COO um, from Charlie HR who said he asked his team when do you plan to leave our company Mm. I think being able to have that honesty that we want Learnably to be like the best career accelerator the best stepping stone for your next opportunity and that is great for us to have that transparency as to when you might want to leave and to help you develop skills that are useful to us and to you yeah but it's not easy I mean sometimes you'll skew one way or the other yeah that's that I think it's so refreshing to hear that language um, from more and more companies around being open to the fact that people will one day leave but you give them your all in exchange for them giving uh, their all while you're together. And that's a really great system because you don't want to close the doors when that time will ultimately come, that they move on. Um, and you want that to be a you know kind of harmonious relationship while it's there together. And you never know they'll go and they'll learn great things. And then because the relationship is good, they're likely to they could come back and bring that experience back with them. Um, So going back to, I know it can be really challenging, especially with people that don't have a ton of experience and they're kind of Mm -hmm. looking at lots of different areas to grow, like within your team. So you've got someone maybe a couple of years experience and and they're like, I want to learn this, I want to learn that, and I want to be, I'm I'm super ambitious. How do you help them kind of find that, uh, I guess, focus area for them to learn and grow because you can I think when you have experience you can identify actually you really need Mm. to work on this it's not exciting and it's not very fun but it will help you Mm. a lot how do you help someone learn what they need to learn so there's a few things one is radical reflection I mean it sounds very basic but I think constantly reflecting on where do I want to be in the world like what do I want to do in three five ten years even like six months one year 
And if you think about, okay, like let's say you are a junior marketer, I want to be a CMO. Clearly there's a few steps <laughs> you need to go through to get there, but maybe the next step is just being a marketing manager. So what practically speaking are the technical and soft skills I need to develop and to be able to rate yourself across those skills. Mm. And so to talk to your manager about, okay, what would it take for me to get this next promotion? What specific skills and proof points do I need to see? And second, I think alongside those conversations is to collect feedback from people. Yeah. Um, don't be afraid to ask for it. So like, how do you think I should develop as a person? What are my superpowers? What are my biggest areas of development? Um, so to have that Self-reflection combined with external feedback, I think, is really helpful. There's also really great resources like the Strengths Finder, yeah, yeah, um, which is really useful quiz and book. So it identifies your strengths and then makes recommendations on potential roles. Um, there's also a great book by Sir Ken Robinson called The Element, which mm-hmm. looks at the intersection between what you love and what you're good at. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like. I also teach a class on finding your dream job. Uh, yes. so shameless personal plug <laughs> for GA. Um, and so some of the things I ask people are, um, what experiences have you felt you're in the biggest um, moment of flow? What kind of puts a hop, jump, and skip in your step when you leave work? Yeah. And kind of paying attention to those moments and thinking about how can I do more of what I love? Yes. I think, I think it's important to remember... Uh, for anyone uh, listening, um, to be quite intentional with your learning and development. It's not just going to find you. Um, you have to be really proactive about what do you want to learn and, and what's in line with your strengths and interests because I've had people really rely on their managers. Like, why mm-hmm. want my manager to tell me what direction to go to because, you know, they have more experience and therefore of they course. have the answer. Um, and it's corny to say, but what I do say is the answer is actually inside you. Mm. Um, you have to really think about, you know, what look, reflect back on what you've enjoyed to date. What does that say about you? What are your personal values, exactly. your strengths finder? Use these tools. A lot of them are free exactly. or very inexpensive and then you can maybe use your learning development budget for them. Exactly. Um, but yeah, think about, you know, be quite intentional about where you want to go with your career and yourself. Um, I'm curious, so a couple of things that have come up in, in my previous experience around what is L&D and what is not. Do you think going to a conference should come out of someone's learning and development budget? I think it depends on the purpose. Mm-hmm. I always go back to purpose. Like, is it to, like, get up to speed in new technology technologies? Like, I think one of our developers is going to a React conference, which is one of our core platform Mm -hmm. languages Mm -hmm. Um, but if it's more of a new business networking um, purpose like you're going to I don't know like a conference with a bunch of CEOs then I would say that should come out of a marketing Mm -hmm. budget or if it's also like something that's more compliance driven I don't think that should come out of an individual's budget Mm -hmm. um, because like one of our clients um, someone had to get data protection training, which isn't necessarily something they're keen on learning. Yeah. It's what the business requires. So yeah. I think that should be differentiated as well, compliance budgets versus personal development budgets. Very much so. We've done that at WeTransfers. If you're asking for someone to build a skill in order for them to do their job, mm-hmm. that has to come out of the company's 
budget, not request their individual budgets to be spent on a compliance um, or a training that you ask them to do. I think it, the personal budget is very much personal and exactly. should be um, spent on kind of that stuff that aligns with their interests. The next question I have is another thing I, I get when we talk about personal budgets and how people spend them is, well, what if, what if someone wants to go on a juggling class um, and it's completely out of, you know, out of direct link to their role? Uh, we wouldn't let them do that, would we? I think it depends on the company and the purpose and the individual. Like, in all honesty, even though I am for all creativity and, and amazing out there experiences, I would probably say no. Because <laughs> they had a really strong business case for why. Or if they were like a high performer or high potential yeah. um, team member who or had been working long hours where they deserve that extra bonus. <laughs> Uh, but that probably should maybe be created out of another budget. That's yeah. just like an overall retention and entertainment budget. I think that's interesting. I, I think, like you said, I always, for me, if someone can build a business case justifying the need to go on a juggling course, <laughs> um, I would probably give it to them just out of props for yeah, exactly. <laughs> creativity. Um, it depends also, I think, how much of it they're spending. Like, if it's their entire, like, 1K budget for the year as well, I might, like, scratch my head and be like, hmm, maybe you, yeah. like, should look at some project management training <laughs> um, as well. But I think you also need to put trust in your employees and know that yeah. they're going to make good decisions. Yes, I think that's a really great point is the trust element and, and that's where empowerment comes from. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like providing trust but also guidance on you know, where guidance and support on where they should go and, mm-hmm. and what's in line with their skills. Um, is there anything else you'd, you'd like to leave the audience with today around L&D? Yeah, I think like one last area I've been thinking a lot about is around feedback. And I know this is like a hot topic issue. And some of you might be familiar with Kim Scott's work around radical candor. Yes. She worked with Sheryl Sandberg and essentially... Long story short, she gave a presentation to Sergey and Eric where she said, I'm a lot, and Cheryl had been giving her some light-hearted feedback, which wasn't really hitting home, and so Cheryl basically had to say to her, when you say, um, it makes you sound stupid. Um, and she was able to say this so frankly because they had such a great relationship, and the whole point of radical candor is it's that. It's built on trust and love and gives you the ability to share really honest and sometimes difficult to hear feedback. But what I've, as I've been thinking about this, because recently we implemented a, a feedback app from Next Jump, and I've delivered a feedback workshop, been banging the drum on feedback, but I found it difficult recently to give some people on our team difficult feedback. And I was reflecting on why, because we've done all this training, I've watched all the videos, and I think one thing you can't fast forward and an app and, and training won't solve is the relationship. Mm-hmm. You need to build like a really loving, trusting relationship with your colleagues to really get to that like enlightened state of radical candor. Mm-hmm. And that takes time. And I think also like hanging out with people outside of work. Um, so I feel like in a way that the kind of trendiness of feedback has... Um, superseded a larger issue which is around building really trusting and loving relationships at work which is much harder to do and much more nebulous and can't be hacked Um, but on that note I mean I'm doing a positive I do think it's possible but I think just with learning and development like feedback 
um, it comes to building great relationships Mm -hmm. and that's how where it starts and how you're going to help your people grow and develop yeah totally I love that and it's great that you brought that up I I obviously it would be hard not to cover feedback without referring to Kim Scott's work and I cover that in my general assembly class and other work that I do around feedback but I always highlight that as you say and I want to stress the word enlightened point of getting to radical candor it's not something you can just get to and I think I know I saw some people pick it up and go oh um I can just be direct and then would be direct and then follow up with like no I don't worry it's radical candor I care about you exactly it's Um, like not enough like no that's not how that works (laughs) you're just being a jerk um (laughs) you're just being direct and and I think what's interesting is radical candor assumes or puts the, the weight on the uh, giver of feedback to be self-aware that they understand the level of empathy or care yes. that the other person has. Exactly. So I could think, if I'm not self-aware, I could I think you're a good person, Melissa, and you've been in my team, um, but actually you don't get that from me. Mm. And I then give you radical candor, but it's received as extremely direct feedback because I don't know how to show empathy mm. in a way that connects with you so I think there's always I always kind of highlight there to not just go straight to enlightened state exactly um it does mean investing one-to-one time with your team and that's how you build that trust and I couple it with the Jahari window around mm. the more I learn about you and the more you learn about me we open up and then we can get to that point mm. of comfort but I think it, it's all it all varies by relationship mm-hmm. um you, I think I have a really, my Jahari window with my husband is really thick, <laughs> but there's something, if he gives me feedback on some stuff, I just don't want to hear it exactly. and vice versa. So I think it all depends on, on the type of relationship you have. But yeah, it, it cannot be rushed. It can't be hacked. It Trust takes time. Mm-hmm. Um, and face-to-face personal connections. I think, thank you for bringing us on to that. It was a nice turn at the end. Um, <laughs> Well, thanks so much for uh, being on Overtime uh, today. Uh, Is there any um, resource or book or piece of content that you'd like to share with um, the audience before we close off? Um, Well, we have a whole L&D playlist on Learnably, which I don't know if we could share as a text form, um, but if I can remember Mm -hmm. them off some of the greatest hits off the top of my head. Uh, It's a deliberately developed mental organization by Robert Keegan, which is all about how do you build a culture of learning that comes with intention mm. um, and deliberation. I mentioned radical candor. Um, I think um, learning and development is hugely tied to culture. Mm. Um, so Noble, which is a great consultancy that does great work on culture, is a great resource center. There is also a great set of... Um, kind of videos and work by Amy Edmondson on psychological safety, which is a nice pairing with the work on feedback. Mm. And then um, lastly, oh, I'm forgetting some bits off the top of my head, but uh, there's a great um, book on creativity and culture um, by the founder of Pixar, Creativity Inc., which I love. Um, Oh, and then lastly, one of my favorites this year is a book called The Multipliers, which is a book that's all about getting the best out of your teams. Um, but I'll share that. Yeah. With you. And we'll link that out in, uh, 
in the newsletter that goes with it. Amazing. Uh, well, thank you, Melissa. This was really interesting, and, and thank you for all your insights that you've picked up in your career. Thank you.